um, it's a special time to come together to your word for the message that you have for us here on January 22nd, 2017. We will never have another one of these. And we seek you for what you would have to teach us, for what you would have to ta- for us to take away from here and take into our daily lives, not to be held on to for ourselves, but to bless others with the blessing that we've received from your word. Uh, just as I wish to share with my church family here the blessing that your word has been to me this week. And Lord, I pray that you would speak things new this morning that you have not already uh, provided to me through the time, the, the, the study and the special time with you that you've given to me so far. Lord, we pray that you would teach us. We pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to, to your truth guided by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just uh, I pray, as, even as I, uh, as with so many others, uh, uh, seem to be moving in and out of one uh, sickness after another this winter, I pray, Lord, that that would not hamper uh, the, the speaking of your word here this morning. Lord, we do pray for these illnesses that seem to keep popping up over this winter. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bring your healing touch uh, to so many uh, that are that are feeling physically down here among us this morning, uh, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. So, as I said, we're still continuing to look at bodybuilding, being the body of Christ in 2017. This is my last of these three messages, and Pastor Jeff will pick it up. <clears throat> for the next two weeks after this morning. Let me ask, how's your bodybuilding in 2017 going so far? Now, for some of you who set some resolutions for physical bodybuilding, it's, it may be kind of like, oh, yeah, I was intending to get to that. Uh, I was intending to be further along here uh, by this time in the year. Uh, just a reminder that that our Lord has plans. He has resolutions, if you will, for building this body of Christ in 2017. Uh, He is never without plans for building his body. And we, with him as our head, are to be responsive to that. We We are to be that body that is following Christ as our head. And so we'll pick up here again in Ephesians 4, verse, beginning in verse 11. Uh, as we'll read through verse 16 again this morning. It says, And he, being Christ, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we looked last week at this idea that in our bodybuilding, the body of Christ is to be resembling Christ. That our goal, our horizon maturity that we should always be moving toward as a body is a unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, but to a mature manhood. Just as, as we as men are, are moving closer and closer, we hope, to maturity in manhood, the church's maturity is to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I can remember one Sunday afternoon, our family was uh, eating on our back deck and, and just kind of catching up a little bit. And <clears throat> my, I asked Micaiah if I could share this this morning, but Micaiah kind of looked over me and she said, you know, Dad, you just seem shorter today. I'm like, what do you mean by that? You know, I know I'm, I'm already at the point of time where I'm shrinking, but she was like, well, you just, I don't know, maybe, have you put on some weight or, you know, all this, and I'm just kind of like sitting here and absorbing this and and I remembered I, uh, what went on that Sunday morning. And um, for those of you know that uh, know Brandon Grayson, you know uh, one of our missionaries and, and who's in St. Kitts, and uh, I, this tall, muscular, tan guy. He had been uh, uh, at church that Sunday, and I had had him up next to me, um, interviewing him a little bit, and and. Uh, allowing for him to uh, continue to share his heart with us as a body. And, and I just kind of said to Micaiah, I said, you know, uh, does this have to do with anything with the, the, me standing next to the bronze Adonis of St. Kitts this morning? And she said, yeah, I think it does, actually. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I, I'm, I'm picturing myself remembering you standing there next to him. Well, the fact is this, as a body of believers, when we measure our maturity, we shouldn't be measuring it against each other. But but like me being measured to this specimen of manhood, (laughs) we should be measuring ourselves to the full, to the measure of the fullness of Christ. And as I've said, I think that part of the reason why we will live in relationship for eternity with God in heaven is because it will take an eternity to understand and to grow into and to become more and more one with the, the measure of the fullness of Christ, who, who we were reminded last week is the fullness of God in himself. We looked last week at the fact that that we as harvesters should be uniting as we grow in our faith and in our experiencing of Christ, and it should be by the standard of Christ. And as well, we as harvesters should be more stable as we grow, not tossed back and forth 
as, as related to children as our passage does. By every wind of doctrine. So contrasted with being spiritually immature children who are affected by any new teaching, we give uh, attention to verse 15 here. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This morning we're looking at this fact that the body of Christ is to be directed by Christ himself. It's to be directed by Christ. You know, uh, we as dads have been known to produce some pretty darn funny dad jokes, right? I mean, they just come out of nowhere. And I, I don't understand why the rest of the family just is not rolling o- over in laughter from the stuff that comes out of our mouths. But, you know, one that is the traditional, it's passed down from generation to generation, it has to do with uh, whenever someone in the family might get a cut on their head somewhere, right? Maybe on their face or on the back of their head or something like that. And so it's the dad's responsibility at that point to dryly say, well, looks like we're going to have to amputate your head, <laughs> right? And it's hilarious. See, you guys laughed. I appreciate that. I think that was just the dad's. Um, Obviously, the joke there is if the head is lost, what point is there? There's not going to be any survival. Once you lop off the head, the body is useless. I, I've wondered recently um, in reading through the book of John with uh, Jesus resurrecting, the accounts of his resurrecting people, if that's why Herod chose to behead John the Baptist. And it was says when the disciples went, they got his body. And if it's almost like the intention there was, we're going to make sure his friend is not going to be able to bring this guy back to life. And that, that's kind of a morbid example of this. But the fact is, is that once the head is separated, the body is useless. There, there's no bringing it back. And that's why Jesus is explained as being the head of the body, the head of Harvest Fellowship, the head of the universal body of Christ. We're told that harvesters should grow into Christ in our passage here this morning. And and the main contrast here is with the spiritual immaturity uh, that marks those who are not growing into Christ who, or, or that have denied the fact that Christ is the head of the body. This comes with recognition that he is the head. He is unchanging. He is the same head of the body of Christ that he has been since the church was initiated. The, the rather here is, is given as a contrast 
to being tossed around by different doctrines like children might be. It's the contrast to the idea and the, the doctrines that come forward that minimize Christ or just, just focus in on one aspect of who he is. Maybe of just his love or just his grace or just the, the kind words that he said. You can see here how truth in love is a mark of maturity. Speaking the truth of who Christ is in love is a mark of maturity in contrast to immaturity that's tossed around back and forth by maybe what is socially acceptable about Christ. Children don't often mix truth with love very well. I can remember um, at... Uh, our daughter's graduation party, we had different family in town. And, and uh, one of our friends from, from Crawfordsville, who, who many of you know, she doesn't live in Crawfordsville uh, anymore, but she has a, a major faith dis- disfigurement, was there at our party. And um, uh, unfortunately, I mean, uh, Jen has wonderful grace with children, and, um, but... Uh, one of our, our relative's children was looking at her and she was meeting him and he's just a little little tyke and his response to her was, I'm really scared of you right now. I'm going to go stand with my mom. Now, was he speaking truth? Yeah, absolutely. He was communicating, didn't make fun of her. He didn't, you know, laugh at her or point at her, didn't just run away screaming. But it, it hurt me for my friend. It was truth without love, right? He, he said exactly, I'm scared, I'm going to go over there, is all he said. But it was truth without love. Children are oftentimes communicating love without truth necessarily. I, I read a story uh, this week about a son and father, father and son playing catch, and the dad made a terrible throw. And as he was, he was giving this account, he said, I threw the ball terribly, it went way over my son's head, and I said to him, that wasn't a very good throw. And the, uh, the son uh, stops and looks at him and says, no, Daddy, it was a wonderful throw. And it says he takes, took two steps towards the ball and, and stopped, turned back and looked at his dad and said, when we say something nice, even though we don't mean it, that's called being polite, right, Dad? Kids are, can speak lovingly, oftentimes without truth. But it's a mark of immaturity, right? To, to speak the truth without love or to speak love without it being the truth. But we're shown in our passage this morning that a mark of maturity as we grow into Christ is we grow thereby, notice that, It's by speaking the truth in love. It's how we grow ourselves, and it's how we grow each other. Speaking the truth in love. It's been said that truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. Notice 
speaking to the church as a whole, he is here. He is speaking to the truth, to the church as a whole, that we as a whole, we are going to grow, we are going to become more mature as we as a whole speak the truth in love. It's not just those who stand up here in this pulpit need to be speaking the truth in love. We as a church will grow into maturity as we speak the truth in love. It's not limited to the leadership. We are to mature in as much as we're marked by this practice as a fellowship of believers. Growing in Christ here, as I mentioned, is characterized by speaking the truth, loving truth within the body. It's not about ever is it allow us to say, well, I'm not the type to say anything. Okay? We don't grow in maturity as a body by being a body of people that don't speak the truth. Okay? The, the, the idea here, the, 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 the participle here is speaking the truth. And the condition of that is in love. We don't, it's not a mark of maturity to not say anything, to withhold the truth. We must speak the truth. And it's not about being able to say, well, it's just not in my temperament to speak in love. No, that's immaturity. We should be able to, we should grow into speaking the truth in love. It's not a temperament, it's maturity. It's about the conditions of our hearts. It reveals that in us. Can you see how it matures us to recognize I have a responsibility to speak the truth and I should be pursuing doing that in love? And when I don't, I recognize that. I'm convicted by that. I can revisit that with that person. And we should be matching it up against 1 Corinthians 13 where we're told that love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends match our speaking the truth with one another up to that but don't neglect to speak the truth with each other this could be a wonderful standard for us as small groups do we speak the truth with each other do have we learned how to refine the way that we speak to each other refine our hearts by the standard of love. We, we also see that we're supposed to speak the truth, out, loving truth outside of the body. It doesn't just have to do with how we represent the truth to each other. It has to do with the fact that how we represent the truth to the world outside of these walls. One writer says, The spiritually equipped church whose members are sound in doctrine and mature in their thinking and living 
is a church that will reach out in love to proclaim the saving gospel. God does not give us knowledge, understanding, gifts, and maturity to keep, but to share. He does not equip us to stagnate, but to serve. We are not gifted and edified in order to be complacent and self-satisfied, but in order to do the Lord's work of service in building up and expanding the body of Christ. And Christ is our example of speaking the truth in love. Think of some of the most loving moments. He did not neglect to speak of sin. You think of the paralytic or the adulterous woman who anoints his feet in the house of Simon, the Pharisee. To both of them, what does he deal with? He deals with their sin. He recognizes the most important thing for them is not acceptance at all cost. It's not embracing them just exactly as they are without any uh, expectation for their own sake of there being a change. Instead, he tells them, your sins are forgiven. Think of chapter 8, verse 11. We want to, to raise this chapter, these verses up, this incident up of this woman caught in adultery as, well, now look at this. Jesus said, only if you're without sin, let you be the first to cast the, the, fir- the, cast the first stone. But so often when this is raised up as the example of how we're to behave, we forget the words that Jesus said to this woman. It says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus did not neglect to deal with the most vital need that all of us have, and that is to deal with our sin. In his lo- most loving action, in giving himself For us on the cross, in his death and his resurrection, Jesus dealt with what is the most important need that anyone has. He dealt with our sin. And one of the most loving ways that we can help a neighbor, a loved one, a family member, is to help them to understand how to deal with their sin. And it's dealt with in accepting the forgiveness that only comes through Christ. It is not dealt with us hemming and hawing with them, us sitting there and nodding if they're sitting there and saying, you know, I figure all ways just lead to God. Or, you know, the Muslim God, he's just the same as the the God of the Bible, I figure. For us to sit there and say nothing is to not love them. It's to not... Offer them aid for their greatest need. The need to recognize that Christ died for their sins. Because their sins must be dealt with if they are to be on the loving end of God's grace. Rather than to be judged by him. For each person to come to a place where they say, Lord Please forgive me, not because I deserve it, 
not because I have any righteousness on my own, but because of what Jesus has done for me. The most righteous, godly, God himself person died for my sake so that I could have a relationship with you. And that is the only way that I am going to know you as my savior rather than as my judge. That is what it means to speak loving truth outside the body. You know, I, I saw the example of this when I was at the Trinity Mission dinner. And it was so great for Brandon Ordle, who now works at Trinity, um, to, for him and Caleb Hurt, who was his mentor, to sit there and to, to talk about their first uh, the ministry that, that Caleb had to Brandon as his mentor. And in their first conversation, <clears throat> Caleb says to Brandon, listen, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, if you do not know him now or if you do not come to know Jesus as your Savior, us getting together is going to be a waste of your time and a waste of mine. That's loving truth. And it led to Brandon coming to know Christ as his Savior. And he will tell you that made all the difference in the world. And he longs for that very same thing for every man that passes through that ministry. That is speaking the truth in love. It's speaking the truth in love that allows us as a body to grow more into Christ as a body. Again, it's growing into Christ that is the point of our speaking the truth in love to each other and to the world. I remember a legend that I read about. It was was a legend about this town that had, by some natural or supernatural um, event, had carved into the side of a mountain that stood next to the town the face of a man. And the legend was, the legend within this legend, I guess, uh, in the town was one day that man would come to town. And when he did, everyone was to listen to what he had to say. And so there was a farmer that lived a distance from the town, but he lived just right at the base of that mountain. And he held to that legend and and he embodied that legend looking toward the day, hoping for the day that this man would come to town. And he would spend every day on his farm, spending a good part of the day just staring up at that face, studying it, looking to understand it. And his hope was that he could be one of the first, if any, that would recognize this man when he walked into town one day. <clears throat> and as the legend goes, one day, uh, as, as was not common for him to go into town, it was like that once-a-year visit that he needed to go in for supplies. He came walking into town, and as he did, all the townspeople started nudging each other, grabbing each other, pointing over at him, directing their attention to this man as he walked through the street. And, and what it was, what he didn't realize is that every day that he stared at that face, his face slowly began to change into the face on the mountain. And I don't know what that means as far as where that town went and stuff like that as the legend goes. But you know what 
the principle is there. The more we gaze upon the face of Christ himself, the more we study him, the more we give him our attention, the more we yield our life to him, even not understanding his words that we read, even if it's like, Lord, I'm not even sure what this is speaking about. But help me to know you. Help me to understand. Show me in my life today what you mean by this. Then what you present to the world around you and the words that you speak to one another and your focus of your relationships with each other are going to slowly become more and more the very intention, the very heart of Jesus who is our head. That's what it's about. How often does it happen that you see something that needs to be corrected lovingly in someone else and you speak the truth in your conversation with another person about it? You know what I just saw today? Do you know what that person said? Do you know what they were doing? That's not what we were called to. How often does it happen that you put off speaking the truth to someone, mulling it over in your own mind, until when you finally let it out, it's like, you know what, I've had enough of this. That doesn't help. That's not what we're told to do here. What would help better is to say, you know what, I'm, I'm really nervous about this. But I, I just feel like the Lord wants me to say something, and I love you, and that's why I'm going to say it. And hammer out the details together. Speaking the truth in love is not a matter of getting the right tone of voice down pat. It's about loving God and loving another person enough to speak. And if it comes out the wrong way, to revisit it. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation. Being willing to apologize. I have always, anytime I've ever been in a situation of confrontation, I don't think there's a time where I haven't had to apologize for some aspect of it. But I think it's being willing to apologize, being willing to be humble about it, that's part of the speaking the truth in love. Being willing to look at myself as well. Speaking the truth in love with each other and with the world is how harvest grows into Christ. Also, verse 15, as it speaks of Christ as our head and us as his body, verse 16 carries on that analogy. It says, from whom the whole body, from whom being Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Harvesters, we are to grow the body empowered by Christ. We are to grow this body empowered by Christ. Notice that it's from him, from whom, being Christ, the whole body is, is to grow. Colossians 2.19 says this similarly. 
as we're called to hold fast to Christ as our head, it says, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. You know, the pituitary gland, uh, interestingly, is in our head. And it causes parts of the body to grow uh, as it matures, as it as it. Um, Moves along in age. I think mine shut down a little early. I was the tallest kid in my class in sixth grade, and that was it. I was done. In the same way, our growth comes from our head, Christ. It it empowers our growth as a body. But notice, the body makes the body grow. You see, they're just highlighting, taking out the dependent clauses here. The whole body, if you could skip to slide four, thank you. The whole body makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the point here. The argument here is that individuals in the church carry a lot of responsibility for the growth of the church. And this means with every harvester working in the midst of the body. Harvesters are to grow the body empowered by Christ with every harvester at work in the ministry of the body. When the New Testament speaks of a church member, it's not not talking about membership in a club. It's talking about the member of a body. Like my hand is a member of my body. That's where the idea comes from. And when it talks about each part working properly, this is the same term that's used when we're told earlier about the measure of Christ. The term is metron. When it's working properly, it's working according to its measure. Um, This is a common connection between uh, the measure of grace that we're given and the member of the body, okay? Each member working as measured to them or according to the measure that they should have in the body. Think of Romans 12, verses 3 through 6, where it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. One author writes, We realize that as members of one body and a local body, we belong to each other. We affect each other, and we need each other. Each believer, no matter how insignificant he may appear, has a ministry to other believers. The body grows as the individual members grow. And they grow as they feed on the word and minister to each other. Now, let me ask you something. What about, what if in the process of your body growing, one of the members of your body decided, I'm going to grow according to my own measurement? What if your humorous bone, you know, your funny bone, 
decided, I think three inches is long enough. That's all I need to grow. That's all. Yeah, I mean, do I really need to be bigger than three inches? You'd be like this for the rest of your life, right? That's the idea here. Each member of your body has a measurement that it's intended to grow to directed by the head so that the body can function as it should. And if you have a renegade member of your body that grows to a different measurement than it's supposed to, it doesn't work. And that's what is being laid out throughout the New Testament. We read in Ephesians and Colossians and Romans that the body of Christ, guided by the head, has different members that have a measurement that they're intended to grow to. And in meeting that measurement, the body works. Now, for the life of me, I could have wished for my legs to grow another six inches. But somehow my head had in mind that this was going to be the proportion of my body. Sorry, I won't give any more short, short jokes this morning. But that is the design for me. And you can understand we see many unfortunate situations where the body doesn't grow in one part or another the way that it was supposed to. And maybe through surgeries or things like that, it can be corrected. But, but we look on that and we say, that's just not the way it was intended to be. I mean, in God's sovereign grace, that was his plan. But that's not his plan for us as a body. His plan is for us each to be directed by him. And, and to grow according to the full measure of involvement and investment. Speaking the truth in love with each other. Growing into him. Are you working as a member of this body? As Christ measured for you to function? It's a common misconception that we decide somehow how we are supposed to function in the church. And I don't mean the pastor is supposed to tell you how you're supposed to function. Christ is. The reality is that Christ has a plan and a measurement for each one of us that we are intended to meet. And until we do, the body just isn't what it's supposed to be. Much of this has to do with the way that he has gifted us. And I look forward to maybe just as much as you, Jeff's messages over the next two weeks on our spiritual gifts, on how each one of us have been gifted for ministry within and without of this body in order to meet the full measurement of what Christ has for us. But we also see here that it's not just within the body. Harvesters are to grow the body empowered by Christ, also growing in size with every harvester reaching out to others. Healthy things grow. And that doesn't mean that we have some sort of <clears throat> size intention for harvest, like, like we're, you know, we're not going to be satisfied until we're at three services or something like that. But guys, we should be making an impact. The gospel should be going forward as an aspect of our relationships outside of this body. That is Christ's intention. We have got something very special here. Just in the fact of carrying the gospel. But in a personal 
specific individual expression of the body of Christ in Montgomery County, I firmly believe we have something very special here as a body of harvest. And it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. You know, harvest isn't on a busy highway. And it doesn't fit our values for us to have a big raffle or something like that to try to, to maybe draw people in off of some sort of hunger or, or uh, 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 physical need necessarily. What does fit our values, though? What fits it is for us to be working through healthy personal relationships. God is going to use us to extend his kingdom in Montgomery County by each of us reaching out and being involved in people's lives and inviting them to church or to to special events or things like that, inviting them to small group possibly. And we look forward to giving you opportunities to do this in the future. We're already in discussion about how can we better understand our community in order to better meet their needs. But the first and primal need that our community has is for the gospel. It's for the gospel. That's speaking the truth in love primarily. But we are just equippers. The leadership, Jeff and I, we're also trying to reach our neighbors. We're also doing discipleship. But we are equippers of the body. I mean, think about how the mouth is used to communicate the needs of a body. Think about how a hand will equip the feet with whatever shoes are needed for what's going to be done that day. Whether it be work boots or, or dress shoes or tennis shoes. The hand is just there to equip the feet. But the feet need to do the walking. The same way we as equippers are never intended to be the extent of the ministry of harvest. You are. And we are in as much as we are a part of you. That's God's design. Let me just speak a little bit on how we are intentionally moving forward in 2017 toward where we believe God wants us to be. And I've, I've shared little things on this over the last two weeks as well. In 2017, you're going to be hearing about ministry opportunities. And um, I, didn't, I didn't tell these guys that I was going to uh, do this, but I want to ask if I could have members of the servant team stand for me. These guys are really kind to me, so they will. <laughs> so if, if I could have members of the servant team stand for me. Thank you. Um, two of them are standing in the back there. Uh, just to help you to understand, we, we look forward to, to being more verbal about opportunities in specific ministry areas um, here at Harvest, uh, whether it be Phil Cosby with church finances, uh, Roger and Charlie, Ru- uh, Roger Johnson and Charlie rushing with our small handyman jobs ministry, uh, Brian Norris with the hospitality and the welcome ministry under that. John Maxwell with building maintenance and children's church. Jay Prosser in the back with uh, audiovisual and international missions. Ed Hensley with communications. And Rod Curran as a liaison to community ministry. Thank you guys very much. And, and you know, kind of a paltry uh, uh, example of it, but we have a, a bulletin board out in the hallway where you can get one of these guys' phone numbers and say, oh, I want to be involved in, 
uh, hospitality here at church. I want to be involved. I want to know what is available in community ministries um, uh, in Crawfordsville or in Montgomery County. Get their phone numbers from there. But you're going to be hearing more from them this year um, and these ministry areas. And don't think, though, that the ministry of harvest is limited to these areas. Not at all. Or that ministry teams are only limited to these areas. But it's just how we're trying to be intentional with getting you plugged into ministry so that you can grow more and more in your relationship with Christ. You might be thinking, where do I start? Okay, J.D., you've made me feel bad. I've done, I'm, I'm working by my measurement, not Jesus' measurement of, of where, how I should be involved and things like that. Check in on one of these ministry areas. Uh, listen up when we share from them in the service. Talk with your small group leader. You know, if, if you, if you uh, are wondering, okay, so how do I get involved in ministry? Uh, talk with your small group leader about it. It'd be so great if we had uh, some people that were guides, that were um, intentional about helping harvesters kind of move along, helping them to, to follow Christ better in their life, to maybe even, I don't know, shepherd them. Oh, wait, we do. They're called shepherds. Talk with a shepherd. Talk with Kurt Stevens or Mark Rodenbeck or Dan Hopkins or Jeff or myself. This is part of where we love to come alongside of you and get you involved. That is building the body and seek the Lord. We, discipleship, our whole intention is to press you into your relationship with the Lord. This is about relationship with him and how he desires for you to play out that relationship in your life within this body and outside of it. Especially be praying over these next two weeks as we discuss spiritual gifts and how each one of us have been gifted for certain things. Let's close in prayer. Father God,